This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. And we start this Friday with Michael Tilley from his office in Fort Smith. Michael is with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, welcome back to the program. Thanks again for having me. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, a change that's going to be taking place in Fort Smith. Relatively new story at talkbusiness.net. Some, uh, actually, an old hotel is going to be turned into apartments. Yes, uh, downtown Fort, the old Howard Johnson Hotel. This the building is um, uh, was it's almost as old as I am. Probably a little older. It was built in 1967. It's been several hotels. Most recent was a Howard Johnson Inn, um, but for the last, it's a, and it's about a 65,000 square foot building and had 129 rooms, but for the last probably about decade, it's been kind of an eyesore. It's been kind of abandoned, neglected, um, but Gann and Cooper Commercial Properties based here in Fort Smith, they bought it uh, back in mid-May for almost $1.6 million. Overall, they're going to invest about six and a half million to renovate it into a 66-unit apartment complex. They say will provide uh, convenience living. That's their quote. With uh, modern luxuries, again, is their quote. So, um, good news for downtown Fort Smith. It's an expansion of the residential space. Kyle, I can remember ten years ago when there was not much. Uh, in downtown Fort Smith in terms of residential space and people were clamoring for it in the past 10 years, there's been quite a few projects and this is um, just the latest. Um, And what they plan on doing is uh, a mix of studio and one and two bedroom top apartments will range anywhere from 500 to uh, over 900 square feet. Rents will range between 900 and $1,500 um their selling point though and this again this is their selling point is that it uh, again it'll be kind of an all-inclusive so if you pay a thousand dollars a month you don't have to do a lot of you're not hooked they, they take care of utilities the, the wi-fi will be there the internet trash service um they also will have a fitness center in it a shared workspace they're going to renovate the pool area convert that into a saltwater pool um, 24-7 on-site management, uh, and a place for, uh, for example, food delivery and drop-off, Amazon pickup, dry cleaning, all of that. So pickup and delivery services, they'll have a place for that. So, you, you know, you can uh, take care of that, which I think they listed it as convenience, but I, Kyle, you and I know anymore that that may almost be a kind of a necessity right. um, for a facility like that. But they're also considering they this is not a final part of their plan yet, but a, a pet and a bicycle wash station uh, as part of it, which that certainly appeals to a, a growing demographic. Um, but anyway, and, and they're going to convert. It's got a 254 seat restaurant in it. Um, they say they're going to make that pretty lucrative to some restaurant owner at very low rent for that because they want someone to come in and be able to provide, you know, food delivery. Uh, it's got a large bar at the restaurant. And so they want that whoever operates that to also provide bar service to folks around the pool. Um, but very interesting concept, very service oriented for the residents type concept. And they hope that they hope to have it open in early 
2023. They're on a pretty aggressive renovation wow. schedule. Wow, that's not yeah. that far away. No, it's not. So the thing with the building, um, it's kind of a bad news, good news thing. The bad news is most of the floors and walls are either solid concrete or block. Um, so they couldn't do a lot of um, renovation in terms of you know completely restructuring units. But the good news is it's a lot of concrete and block walls, so it's it's they're not going to be a lot of sound issues um, for residents. Ideally, that's that's what they say. We'll see. I don't plan on living there, so I may not know. But uh, so that's that's a good thing. But but they're going to completely other than the concrete and the block walls, they're going to gut most of it and put all the modern colors, touches, amenities, that type of thing in it. So yeah, they got a lot to do in the next few months. Well, so that renovation is happening. We've talked about the St. Scholastica Monastery. Not only is that renovation not happening, we now know that the wrecking ball could be there as early as July 1st. Yeah, it's uh, the permit has been issued. We've been covering this for a while and we kept thinking somebody, somebody, surely someone will step in and save this very iconic, almost 100 year old, 82,000 square foot building that's on the National Register of Historic Places. But nope. It's coming down. I talked to a guy named Kyle Conrad. He's project manager with a company out of uh, Catoosa, Oklahoma, near Tulsa. That are going to be tearing it down, and they're getting equipment moved over there. They've already removed uh, all the remediation-type materials, asbestos and a few other things, and they're going to start banging away soon. So all of those efforts to try to save it, many efforts to try to save it, uh, you, you remember the the nuns, the Benedictine nuns, first came out and said, "Well, we've exhausted all resources to save it." And then when, <laughs> and then we found out that that wasn't quite true, because a lot of people come out of the came out of the woodwork saying, "Look, we can make this work. You know, we can provide you an income stream." And for just reasons that continue to evade um, any rational understanding, I guess I'm not sure that's the right phrase, but they've just declined. The sisters have declined every effort to try to save this historic place. So it is coming down. All right. Uh, that is happening in the latter stag- stages of that building's life. We're at the beginning of kind of this uh, move by the Fort Smith Central Business Improvement District. What is that again, and what's happening next? Yeah, so they've instituted, they began several years ago pursuing this what's called an assessment plan, and essentially the downtown property owners have agreed to tax themselves um, and they'll raise uh, two to $300,000 a year based on the assessment plan. Um, and so that is going to the Fort Smith city clerk. Um, she will verify the signatures in the petition, verify the, who the property owners are and that they own the property. They say they will. It's, it's kind of perfunctory at this point. And then if all that checks out, then the Fort Smith board approves it and they're obligated since the central business improvement district has approved it and they're, uh, they're an autonomous um, government body, the enforcement board is obligated to approve it. If it meets all of the, um, of the checks that the city clerk is doing, they're going to use this money call for a couple of initially a couple of primary things. Uh, it's called one of it's called an ambassador program where they'll hire um, someone to provide security kind of, it's a safety and security program 
um, for downtown Fort Smith. You know, we talked earlier about more people are living downtown. Well, this will help some of those folks maybe feel a little bit safer. I think the only issue, it's not, there's, there's no crime wave in downtown Fort Smith. It's just that sometimes there's some issues with homeless, uh, vagrancy, that type of issue. So they'll help with that. And then there's also an effort to, um, uh, keep the area looking good. Um, and they're going to essentially contract, this is not exact, contract with the Fort Smith Parks Department to provide landscaping services, uh, you know, make sure sidewalks are up to speed and stay maintained, that kind of thing. So, um, uh, so it's going to address those two, the safety, security, and appearance. And because those are the main things they've talked to property owners over the years, they've surveyed it and surveyed it and surveyed it. And those continue to be the things that people want. So they'll be able to do this with this assessment. All right. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, also coming up is the Fort Smith Film Festival. Now, the Bentonville Film Festival is going on right now. Uh, it's in its eighth annual. The next edition of the Fort Smith Film Festival will be its second. And there are going to be contributions uh, from dozens of countries. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of proud of these guys. I got this thing started. Like you said, now it's in the second year. Um, you know, you never know how these things are going to go, but they had a healthy number of submissions last year. I think they had uh, submissions from 32 countries this year. They've had submissions from more than 50 countries. And, and that includes, uh, submissions from people with uh, Cherokee and Choctaw nations. Um, I think over 135 hours of film, uh, that they're going to, that they have to review to select category winners. Um, and then that'll all kind of come to a head and, and the festival will be held August 26th and 27th at the Temple Live there in downtown Fort Smith. Um, so, uh, in, you know, kind of kudos to those guys, got it off the ground. You know, Fort Smith was not, uh, you know, not known for being a film festival type city, but it's proven to be popular. It's proven to work. Uh, they even have uh, submissions they have a, a submission from a director in Ukraine and a submission from uh, a director from the Russian Federation, both submitted before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So that adds an element of interest to it. But um, anyway, just uh, good to see these folks succeeding, and I hope it continues to grow for them. All right. You can read about this and so much more at talkbusiness.net. Michael, thanks for your time. Hey, you're welcome, sir. The Supreme Court has struck down Roe v. Wade, the 1973 case establishing a nationwide right to abortion. Now millions of Americans will lose access to abortion care as bans in 13 states are expected to automatically take effect and more could follow. Keep listening to Weekend Edition and NPR News for the latest updates and analysis from across the country. Weekend Edition, tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 on KUAF. You can also listen by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF or by using the KUAF app for iPhone and iPad. Today's decision from the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade will have ramifications in Arkansas. Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma, as well as several other states, are expected to enact trigger laws already passed by state legislators that would effectively ban abortions. On our Monday show, Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich will have reactions from across the state and region regarding the decision. Quickly after the decision was announced, 
Arkansas Senator John Bozeman issued a statement supporting it. The senator says today is a long-awaited, consequential day for the nation. He says he's pleased to have supported the confirmation of justices who are in the majority on the decision. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Republican candidate for Arkansas governor, issued a statement this morning that says it is a day many have worked toward and prayed for. She says she will fight to keep Arkansas one of the most pro-life states in the nation. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Support for KUAF comes from Westwood Gardens, a family-owned garden center with four locations in northwest Arkansas. Westwood plants are grown locally and offer a variety of annuals and perennials, herbs, vegetables, and more. Westwoodgardens.com for information. Opera in the Ozarks 71st season begins tonight. Opera in the Ozarks at Inspiration Point can trace its musical roots back to 1950. Almost every summer since, some of the best young talent in opera have spent time performing in repertory. This season includes work by Mozart, Puccini, and Sondheim. There are also a pair of cabaret events, a chamber music performance, and there have already been some outdoor performances of Pinocchio in Bentonville and at Basin Spring Park in Eureka Springs. This week, we talked with Nancy Price, the general director of opera in the Ozarks, about this latest summer of performances with COVID-19 still a concern. Last year for Opera in the Ozarks, not a single case. This year, she says there have been 12 positive tests. We haven't had anybody that was sick enough to, you know, be um, even see a doctor. We had two cases among faculty members that were older people that went and got Paxlovid. All of the singers that have been sick, nobody's had any symptoms, but they tested positive. And the good news is, is, as of last Friday, we are COVID-free. And that means the shows go on beginning tonight. Our conversation this week also included Nicole Rizzo, one of the artists performing this summer, and J.J. Hudson, stage director for Sondheim's A Little Night Music and for Pinocchio. J.J. Hudson told us during the interview that despite those few curveballs, this season is on track. Yes, actually. Um, Pinocchio, we finished staging about a week and a half or two weeks ago, and it has been out in the community in several uh, locales. So my, my, my own work of directing Pinocchio is, is a finished. Uh, Pinocchio has a little bit of a, um, a break for a couple of weeks, but then it goes back on the road. And before it goes back on the road, I'll have a couple of touch-up rehearsals. Um, and we've been working uh, diligently on a little night music to get it ready for the stage very soon. And uh, I, I've, I'm in a, as a director, I'm in that exciting position where of seeing where everything is beginning to come together, all of the elements. JJ had an unusual experience in having to direct Pinocchio via Zoom. Yeah, I was one of the I was one of the staff. Uh, that caught uh, COVID early on, and I was quarantined in my little room here for um, five or six days, maybe longer. Um, and I directed the majority of Pinocchio on Zoom, as well as a little night music. I, I staged the most of the first act of the two acts on Zoom. And it's, it was wonderful to go back into the rehearsal room when I tested negative what does it take to direct on Zoom? I mean, when you're directing in the very room where the actors and singers are, you can decide where you look. When it's on Zoom, do you have to ask someone to move the camera? 
Well, yes, uh, this was my first experience on Zoom. Uh, until this past year, I, I had been a freelance stage director. So when Zoom hit the opera companies, uh, I just lost work for two years. But my friends who were in academia had to continue directing students on Zoom. And uh, I understand what they were going through for, for a couple of years. Um, it is tricky. Uh, we did have a camera in the room with a good speaker system. So the students, the, the artists were able to hear me. Um, and I was able to see them, but I saw them at a very odd angle. Um, basically, I had to just basically trust my technique as a director <laughs> because my eyes my eyes didn't always tell me what I needed to see, but I knew if people were placed in the way that I imagined them being placed that technically it should work out. So I just relied heavily on technique. And so far, when I'm going back now and viewing the staging, that I staged on Zoom, I'm happy to say that it looked like it worked. So. You handled it with a lot of grace. Thank you, Nicole Rizzo. I was going to ask you, what was it like being directed via Zoom, and what has your experience been your first, you know, days before the first production in Eureka Springs? Well, things are ramping up now as we open this Friday um, with the Puccini, La Rondine. Um it's been really interesting working on Zoom. I, I finished up my undergraduate studies on Zoom in March 2020. So I had a little taste of that, but not with stage direction. So, but like I said, JJ is a professional and handled it with a lot of grace and helped to make the process a bit easier with us. It certainly helped that right before he tested positive, we had this fantastic stage skills class. So we all knew what he meant when he said, you know, quarter turn up left. And that helped us a great deal as well. You were singing in a little night music. Uh, that is a composer who sometimes I've heard artists say is a bit of a challenge, a one, a challenge they enjoy, but, but, you know, something you work on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is my first Sondheim show that I've participated in, although I've enjoyed his work for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of text and I think that might be the thing that some people find a little bit challenging um, as opera singers, though, I think we're a little bit more familiar with interesting rhythmic choices and things like that. So that that didn't come so much as a challenge as the text did to me, but it was a healthy challenge. <laughs> Nancy Price, I mean, this this has been going on for more than seven decades. Opera in the Ozarks, it is a successful uh, event that people look forward to near and far. What's the secret? What what keeps it going? A lot of hard work. What's the secret? I think that we've always focused on trying to um, <clears throat> provide the ex best experience we can for our clientele, which I we, we count on two clientele. One is our students, our singers. And it's very important to us that our singers get, I mean, we don't bring in singers to, to do a particular role. We don't have stars that come from Broadway or from the Met or whatever all the students are singing all of the roles. Um, so that's a very important thing. We have our singers get to perform with an orchestra, which many of them have never done before with a live orchestra. That is one of our clientels, our singers. Our second big clientele, of course, are our theater attenders, attendees. And I think what we offer there that brings people back year after year is a great deal of intimacy. Our theater is small, the sight lines are decent, 
but you're never very far away from the stage. You're never very far away from the singers. You can see their facial expressions. You can see what the subtle things that they're doing. That doesn't happen if you're in a 3,000 seat house. You know, you don't need opera glasses at Opera in the Ozarks. Glasses to drink out of is another story, but. <laughs> Well, J.J., let me ask you about an intimate venue. Does that change directing for you? Um, you know, uh, we always take, as directors, we take into account the space we're directing in and the proximity to the artists because we are creating, or excuse me, to, <laughs> to the audience. We are uh, creating illusions, you know, on stage and certainly um, distance to the audience to, in a, in a more intimate space, um, facial expressions can be seen more clearly. Um, uh, smaller things can be seen. Um, but even in large houses too, uh, people are always watching an actor's face and facial expressions, no matter the, no matter the distance. But in a show like A Little Night Music, um, it, it's nice because nice it has nice intimate scenes and we have dialogue, you know, so this is a musical, uh, it's an operatic musical. So we have long uh, stretches of really fun dialogue. Um, and that dialogue um, uh, can be, can be uh, done in a very supported, but also intimate way. We, we are not using microphones for this show. So it's a nice challenge for the young artists to learn to speak dialogue in a supported way to an audience that's maybe only 10 feet from them. But uh, it, it, yes, the intimacy is a, is, is a factor in, in, in considering, but it's, I, I myself love going to intimate theater, so it's fun to direct uh, a piece in an intimate space. J.J. Hudson is the stage director for A Little Night Music and Pinocchio this year for Opera in the Ozarks at Inspiration Point. We also heard from Nicole Rizzo, an artist performing this summer, and Nancy Price, the general director of Opera in the Ozarks at Inspiration Point. Opening night is tonight. You can find a schedule for the performances, the cabaret nights that are away from the Inspiration Point campus, and other events at opera.org. Our conversation took place via Zoom earlier this week. News is now instantaneous. And new sources are popping up every day. Social media shouts the latest headlines. Subscription services send flash news to your phone. But even in this instant messaging world, you still tune to 91.3 for the quality reporting that gives you the insights on the world around you. This reporting comes with a price. The most significant source of funding for the reporting you hear on KUAF comes from listeners just like you. So please support the news on KUAF during our June fundraising month. It takes just a couple of minutes when you give online at supportkuaf.com. This is Ozarks at Large with me on the phone from her Bella Vista office. Becca Martin-Brown features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. How are you doing, Becca? I'm toasty warm, thank you. How are you? <laughs> Ditto, the same. I know that we have listeners that bike and run and hike and play pickleball and garden. And I have nothing but respect for those people. However. I'm in the camp of I'd rather watch somebody work right now. Right. And so you can do that if you consider appearing on stage or making music or whatever work. 
because we got plenty of things you can do this weekend. And all you have to do is put on some kind of clothes. <laughs> yes, we do recommend that. So a chorus line is on stage through Sunday at the Walton Art Center in Fayetteville. Yeah. What's unique about this production is that it came to the Walton Art Center to get on its feet. Brand new show, teched at the Walton Art Center, leaves after the Sunday performance for Japan. Yeah, and 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 so, right, all the elements get here. They get the staging, they get the cast, they get the crew, and then, the in fact, the only U.S. performances of this tour will be at Walton Art Center. It'll be fun to see, and you've got three more, no, four more opportunities, 8 o'clock today, 3 and 8 tomorrow, and 2 on Sunday. Tickets start at $33. Go watch these nice people work. Yeah. Or go to Arkansas Public Theater in Rogers and go watch those nice people do Yasmina Reyes's comedy art. It's about a guy who buys a great big piece of art, and he's so proud of it. He spent a lot of money on it, and it's white. Mm-hmm. It's just white. And it sets off this ruckus with his two best friends. And it looks a lot like the way people interact when they've been friends for 15 years. All of us have a friend that we can see in this cast. And the actors are hysterical. 8 o'clock today and tomorrow, 2 on Sunday, this is the last weekend, and tickets start at $20. Theater Squared is still doing Miss You Like Hell, which was created by the co-creator of In the Heights. That's on through July 10th, and you can check out performances at theater2.org. And this weekend, they're also opening a show called Flex by Candrace Jones, who is from Dermot, which kind of follows on the heels of their show, The Elaborate Entrance of Chad Deity, in that this is a show about basketball instead of wrestling. So this time we have theater and basketball. It's based on Candrace Jones growing up in Dermot and what basketball meant to her and to her friends and to the community. It's going to be a really interesting show. That also opens at Theater Square this weekend. And then tomorrow, holy cow, tomorrow, there's a Super Saturday show at 10 o'clock at the Fayetteville Public Library for kids. There's a Shiloh Summer Series event called Creek Critters at 10 o'clock at the Thunder Chicken Trailhead in Springdale, hosted by the Shiloh Museum and you need to register at shilohmuseum.org. Trike Theater is presenting the bilingual Mariposa Butterfly at 10 o'clock at the Springdale Public Library. There's a 10 o'clock program on Rain Garden at Crystal Bridges. Then there's the dive-in movie. It's not that it's in water. It's because the theme this summer is water. Uh It's at 1 o'clock. It's called Luca at the Rogers Public Library. The Rodeo of the Ozarks Parade is at 3 o'clock on Emma Avenue in Springdale. That's right. There's an outdoor concert with Susan Shore and Michael Cochran at 6 o'clock at Ozark Folkways in Winslow. And tomorrow night at Opera in the Ozarks is Cozy Fantuti. And then on Sunday, Mountain Street Stage is back at the Fayetteville Public Library with Adam Ostrar at 2 o'clock. And that's free. And if you're not there, you're just silly. <laughs> you should it's be a great there. free show. Right. You should be there. And I hope you're following our coverage of the Bentonville Film Festival because all of my folks are out tweeting and Instagramming and 
taking pictures and writing stories so that you don't have to go out if you don't want to and can still enjoy the film festival. And it's, you know, I was there for part of the first day and a lot of activity, a lot of buzz going on. And the fun part is if you follow all of our stuff, you can get the films online. Mm-hmm. There's an online option. So really, if you can't go, hopefully between those two things, we can give you the whole Bentonville Film Festival experience. And you know, there's a chance you'll see part of it on uh, HGTV at some time in the future because they, I moderated the, the discussion with uh, Dave and Jenny Mars from Fixer to Fabulous, and they had their whole crew there filming. And I mean, they film everything. They got a boom mic everywhere. Oh, fun! Yeah. So uh, and we had April Wallace covered that for us. Yes. And your picture is up on our website with Dave and Jenny. Becca, as always, thank you for keeping us up to date. Let's do this again next Friday. Maybe it'll be cooler by then, and I can get over harping on this. Mm. I think you're talking about October, but you know, hope springs eternal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks, Becca. <laughs> Adam Fawcett's haunting performance in the KUAF lobby for the lunch hour in May is now available on KUAF's YouTube page, as well as conversation with Adam and the Farmer's Table Cafe on building community and celebrating Arkansas in local music and food. That's up now on KUAF's YouTube page or search The Lunch Hour at KUAF.com for more. I get lofty when I'm sad Angry when This is Ozarks at Large. Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis recently sat down with singer-songwriter Chris Acker. He'll be at Rail Yard Live in downtown Rogers July 8th, sharing the bill with Jess Harp and Jude Brothers. All three record for Gar Hole Records. During the visit, Chris Acker played three songs. Hey, I'm Chris Acker, and uh, I'm going to start with this song that um, before we were on air, we were... <laughs> Discussing it, the song is uh, truly can't tell you where it came from. It's called Caviar. The auctioneer said to the valet, You're the guy that takes the cars to the garage. The valet said, I know that, but did you know this? Inside there's some caviar. Caviar, 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 caviar. of marbles are the old sturgeon's pearls caviar 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 the gumballs the black sea the taste of the unborn rainwater was up to her ankles by the time the bus finally comes gets on and looks at her socks what's on them it's caviar 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 cavi
caviar, 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 caviar. With the smoothness of marbles are the old sturgeon's pearls. Caviar, 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 caviar. The gumballs, the black sea, the taste of the unborn. That was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. As we were talking before we started recording, like, I think that is one of the best earworms I've heard in a long time. Um, thank you. Yeah, well, um, like I said earlier, it's it's yeah, it's about thirty seconds too long to be a jingle, but I hope it has that the the it sounds like it has the jingle effect of of I'm glad it's stuck in your head. Yeah, I mean, I heard it for the first time maybe three four months ago, and it's constantly resided in there ever since. Ah, man. So that's, good work. Good thank work. Thank you. That's <laughs> sweet. Yeah, it's uh, odd one to start off with i feel like i'm trying to introduce introduce myself but no, somehow that one's worked its way to the the forefront of of my my musical sets i know you said you don't know where that song came from but how did you write it <laughs> it's it's so funny to answer this question this way because i feel like most of the time that people like talk about like man i don't know where a song came from it's like some genius like it's like yesterday yeah. by like paul mccartney or something and uh but no i i just like most of the time I take a really long time to write a song and I can tell you like every step of the way or something but that was just like pretty thick of lockdown I think it was like a month or two into the pandemic and um, the the best way to describe it would be that me and my roommate were making a lot of music together at, the, at that time uh, this guy Nikolai who plays pedal steel in my band and he um, we were living together during the pandemic and he uh we I would like write try to write a song during the day or something or over a few days and then we'd like run through them at night and they were kind of accumulating and so I was getting more motivated so I think that was also one where I was like I want to have like a song by tonight to like play with Nikolai <laughs> when we do our annual like we didn't talk all day and then we'd like around dinner time we'd be like yo what's up and then we'd like get a six pack or something and 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 so but I think yeah so I don't really know like I truly don't remember like anything about it. I actually did was reading through journals recently though um, and found the page of when I, I wrote that and there's like there was one line that didn't make it because I had written a bridge for it or something and, and um, it there was a line that said expensive it was talking about how expensive it is and uh, the line was expensive is a huge price to eat. <laughs> and I'm pretty, pretty bummed that that didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was like, I looked at that, line. and I was like, damn, that's so, that's stupider than anything else that I said <laughs> in this. Such line. a good line. So, but someone can have that. I, that's somehow that slipped through the cracks, which sucks. But uh, do you want to play another song? Uh, sure. Yeah. Pig war reenactment. I'm gonna tell the man playing Charles Griffin that he's overreacting. I'm gonna look him right between the eyes. 
So it seems like I'm looking him in the eyes. Say your swine was just too nosy. Now quit trying to make history. Mm. used to sample all the perfumes they were on the backs of the pull-out tabs in the beauty magazine ads and I'd hide under covers with my sister's dolls and I'd take all their doll clothes off and I remember my confusion first time I undressed Ken I get so worried about other people talking I try and please them, I just end up exhausted Sometimes I get stretched so thin May as well be inches between the lines in my skin sunbathed by a satellite dish with velcro shoes and store credit from Jordan Avenue Picture frames without their pain Spending days inside one room We'd watch the wind on the water Make shivery lines Looked like a video On rewind Plankton glowed on the crest and waves Like dust floating around a lampshade Upon that pig war reenactment, I'm gonna tell the man playing Charles Griffin that he's overacting. I'm gonna look him right between the eyes, so it seems like I'm looking him in the eyes. Say your swine was just too nosy, now quit trying to make history. Mm. Nicely done. There it is. Very nice. So that and Caviar, they were both on your latest album. Tell us a little bit about Odd, Ordinary, and Otherwise. We made it in October, October 2020, I think. Yeah. Or maybe, was it November? Yeah, it was November of 2020. And um, right before the pandemic, or like the year before the pandemic, I'd finally kind of gotten like a really solid band. Like, and I love this thing about New Orleans and a lot of places, Nashville, I know is this way, but where you get, have a lot of people sit in because there's a lot of musicians, a lot of people are busy. You can't like count on the same band all the time. But I was really lucky to kind of have a solid band. 
um, and and still do. And and it was kind of a fun like we'd been in the pandemic for five or six months and was like, hey guys, do you want to start maybe like doing some outdoor practices and and like get the band back together? And so we everyone we agreed on a date to. And, it, you know, it seems really silly to go all the way to Hudson Valley in the middle of the pandemic to record. I know a lot of people recorded remote or recorded where they were. But I have this friend up there, and we'd always – he goes by Burt Murder, and uh, it's his, like, stage name. But it's also just his – he's used, used it for everything. So um, if you want to listen to some weird music, uh, uh, try Burt Murder. Burt, I'd met um, – touring in Hudson Valley I'd spent the two summers previous doing like little week runs up in Hudson Valley and really fell in love with the area and the people and met him and we were just like really instant friends and he has a sick recording setup and he was like dude if you ever want to make a record so it was always kind of in the back of my mind I was like next record I'm going to do with him and um so we picked a date and the band was all good and a couple about a week or two before we went up there we started rehearsing for it um and it was like i think the band at that point knew like yeah like i said like maybe two or three of those songs mm-hmm. where we'd play and but we just worked through all of them and um and then we like all quarantined and got tested and then camped up the coast um to hudson valley we did it in like two days. We just drove all day, but we, yeah, it was just a magical week. It really was. We like first night found this beautiful campsite uh, that we hit on the way back down, and and then we got up there, and it just it like yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'm I'm kind of spoiled, and I won't expect anything to go this well again. But we just were well rehearsed and recorded it all live, and um, and then did some added some stuff in post but it was just five we did it in five days 13 songs uh like fully mixed and and everything by the end we just like and it was just a, like in the middle of the pandemic we hadn't all spent time with other people like mm-hmm. making meals and doing all that and like when someone was doing vocals or something someone else would go out on a walk and it was just this like really and it was the fall in hudson valley all the mm-hmm. leaves were Beautiful. It was just like a really sweet five days where we were up there and we just did something that we were re- really proud of. And then, and some of the songs even I didn't have like verses for, but I wanted to record. So like, there's also a couple songs on the album that are like I finished the words like 30 seconds before we <laughs> recorded them, and it just like was. I I like thinking about that record because it the songs at least came from all these different places that were like like i said like one song or two songs yeah one song from when i was like 19 one song that was supposed to be on our first record like five years before that or four years before that or something and then all these new ones and then like ones i didn't finish till the moment we played them and and just like it was just all over the place and everyone was just like but everyone was i think just excited to be making music at that time because we hadn't been able to do it and so it was uh I know. It just felt like a very loving environment. All the little kids got their sidewalk chalk Stepping on the roaches, putting salt on the slugs I'm sitting in my kitchen, chewing on bread Treating every dollar like a rubber band 
Oh, those big eyebrows and those high cheekbones Probably had her looking pretty funny Till she was grown Now she's living on the corner I'm making a wish I wonder how she'd like my face If it didn't look like this She wouldn't ask for something couldn't get by herself I want to feel you on my skin like copper tone I want to beg I want to beg like a payday loan I'm gonna stand my ground like a traffic cone honey I'm gonna last like like styrofoam like styrofoam girls just pump their thumbs resting on their elbows until they're numb and I'm standing around on my two feet wondering if they can move on them like me now the hangers in her closet they're better dressed than any pew humper in their Sunday best and I want the little bruises from her kiss, I wonder how she'd like my face if it didn't look like this. She wouldn't ask for something. She couldn't get by herself. I want to feel you on my skin like copper tone. I want to beg. I want to beg like a payday loan I'm gonna stand my ground like a traffic cone Honey, I'm gonna last like, like styrofoam Like styrofoam Like styrofoam Like styrofoam Chris Acker talked with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis earlier this year. He'll be at Rail Yard Live in downtown Rogers July 8th, sharing the bill with Jess Harp and Jude Brothers. Chris Acker and Timothy Dennis talked about earworms and jingles that get stuck in your head. And on Monday's show, we'll hear a radio jingle from 1974. There's a fella here been talking some about being our next congressman. He's a new man. Bill Clinton is his name. He says the administration we got is the bunch who put us in this spot. And Clinton says we don't need more of the same. Bill Clinton's ready. He's fed up, too. He's a lot like On Monday's Ozarks at Large, we welcome back Randy Dixon from the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. He'll have archives and interviews about the Clinton years in Fayetteville as a nod to the reopening of the Clinton House Museum in Fayetteville. Ozarks at Large, Monday at noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF. When I finished my undergraduate degree and moved to Little Rock in 1980, KUAF was the 10-watt wonder. When I returned to Fayetteville in 1987, KUAF was all grown up and an NPR affiliate, and I've been a daily listener and sustaining supporter ever since. 
My name is Alan Wilburn, and you're listening to KUAF 91.3 FM in Fayetteville. This is Ozarks at Large. We have come to the part of our program where we find out if a new movie is worth two hours or so of our time. Courtney Lanning is our guide to that. Courtney, welcome back. Kyle, thanks for having me. All right, the movie this time around is called The Man from Toronto, and it has two charismatic leads. It does. Uh, unfortunately, that's not enough to save it, Kyle. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's let's go over the basic premise of The Man from Toronto. All right, so the basic premise is this is Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson. Kevin Hart uh, is a man who is taking his wife for a surprise birthday evening to a cabin he's rented, an Airbnb. And Woody Harrelson is a torture expert who is also on his way to that same cabin. Kevin Hart shows up by mistake. The people in the cabin think he is the torture expert, the man from Toronto who can make anybody talk and get information out of him. And he has to go along with the bit. And that's pretty much the whole movie. Uh, Woody Harrelson shows up. Kevin Hart has to continue pretending to be this torture expert from Toronto. I mean, you know, for a a, a three-sentence synopsis, you go, huh? Mistaken identity, outlandish sort of misidentification. This could be, you know, slapstick and an enjoyable diversion. Well, you're right, Kyle. It could be. (laughs) It's not, but it could be. Uh, You know, the premise sounds great, and that was initially what drew me to the film, but, you know... This is an action comedy that fails to provide much of the latter. Mm. It's juvenile writing. It's a miscast duo that failed to really deliver much humor outside of one single joke. Harrelson fights well and Hart screams in the background. That's it. That's the one joke this movie has and it mercilessly beats that joke to death. Ooh, ooh. Uh, This doesn't sound like something I'd want to spend those two hours of my weekend with. No, I, I wouldn't. I recommend that at all. The the man from Toronto has the audacity to push as close to two hours as possible when 90 minutes would have been far more merciful. I was watching my my clock the whole time. Yeah, that's not a good sign. It's, it's a frustrating movie filled with immature lines. Like, this is all pig sex. Who's ready to oink? Ooh. And they will have their cake and we will kill them too. Ooh. I got I, I I get it. Okay. <laughs> um and I know that one of your uh, least favorite things about a movie is if it can be done in 90 minutes, why make it 120 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wish it had stuck closer to 90. There's a lot of incoherent plot that seemed to have been tacked onto this movie by accident. <laughs> anything, anything redeemable? I'll say this. Uh the fight scenes look okay. You know, but that just leads me to ask questions like, you know, would this movie have been better as a street action flick that ditched the comedy? You'll have to find a crystal ball and find out for yourself, I guess. All right. If uh, someone wants to view The Man from Toronto, where do they go? It's on Netflix starting today. And, and you know, Kyle, I'm sure it'll have its fans, just like Barstool Sports has its fans. Yes. Some people will find this an entertaining film. I did not. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, big, big uh, movie coming out with uh, Tom Hanks to theaters this weekend. Yes, we have uh, a new Elvis movie coming out this weekend. 
Uh, that'll be the big one that takes the box office cake most likely. And then, of course, we have a new horror film with Ethan Hawke called The Black Phone that I suspect you and I will not be watching this weekend. I like Ethan Hawke, but I don't go to horror movies in the theater. That's just... You know my role, Kyle. No scary movies. There you go. And the the, uh, the Elvis film with Tom Hanks is directed by uh, Bars Lerman, who did um, Moulin Rouge. So I don't know what to expect. No, it looks like it's going to be a, a wildly fun ride. All right. So what will you and I talk about next week? Well, next week I hope to review a new film coming to Hulu called The Princess. Wow. That's a title that could be... Uh attached to a movie that's about almost anything it is you know it looks like a honestly if you've seen the netflix animated series disenchantment it looks more like a live action version of that all right well i like disenchantment um you can read if you want if you want to know more reasons perhaps not to watch the man from toronto you can read the full review in the arkansas democrat gazette courtney lanning thank you as always for your time thanks for having me kyle This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Berryville. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors this Friday included Timothy Dennis, Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. KUAF's Community Engagement Manager is Jasper Logan. You can find out much more about us at KUAF.com, or you can listen to past editions or elements of past Ozarks at Large shows at OzarksAtLarge.com. We're back with you Sunday morning at 9 for the next edition of Weekend Ozarks at Large. Then Monday at noon, we will start, breaking news pending, a brand new week of daily shows. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Be safe.